This is Rob Scott, and you're listening to Fulham Focus Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Fulham Focus Podcast. I'm your host for this one, J-Mac. This is the sort of night shift we're doing today. Not many of us cared about the result Wednesday night. We have bigger fish to fry, but I have to say the performance wasn't half bad at all. With a B-team championship teams could only dream of, we held our own very well against a fairly strong Bielsa side. Can this 90-minute performance push us on to a win at Ashton Gate this weekend to start seeing some daylight between us and the rest of the championship? With me to find out are Matt Dom and Matt Wiggins. Let's begin. Fulham. You know what, lads? I quite like the cup. I know it's not everyone's vibe right now, but it's it's silverware that clubs such as QPR and Swansea have won. So, I mean, we should at least one day be trying to, to go for it. But now isn't the time, arguably, with the busy schedule we've already got. I mean, I think we all actually, up to the penalties, we actually were quite up for winning this game. And then as soon as it ended, it's, oh, well, fuck it. We don't want to be part of this anyway. But anyway, let's let's start with a quick reaction to this result. Uh, I'll go to you first, Matt, Dom. What, what did we learn from this game, other than, other than we're still really shit at penalties? <laughs> well, doesn't doesn't QPR win in this thing to show you how pointless it is? That's um, Well, that's true. That, that's, that's, that's proof rather than uh, any sort of uh, contradictory argument, I think. Um, yeah. You know, you, you're right. I mean, as much as, as, much as I wasn't, wasn't bothered what way it went, um, it was still good to see some of the players who are pushing for for a start in the league. Um, Mawson, for example, I think um, I think he proved he's well worth. Um, he, you know, he could fill in easily for Tim Ream, potentially push for that for that starting spot as well. Um, game itself, I mean, it was it wasn't thrilling. It was okay. It was a decent game. We got some a good good performance from a couple of players, and then um, yeah, just like England. Fulham lose on penalties, don't they? It's just the way it is. We miss penalties. Um, everything's right with the world. Um, no harm really done. I think I think for me, getting some players some minutes and also I was hoping we would avoid some key injuries, but didn't, I think Harrison Reed got taken off, didn't he? Um, so I was a bit concerned maybe yeah. that he picks up something, uh, which is what we didn't want. Um, but yeah, good to see that we can, can put out a competitive second team. Yeah, what are your thoughts on it, Wigo, mate? What did you make of the game? I mean, there were some interesting interesting performances, such as, I mean, Kina looked a little bit brighter, maybe. Muniz had loads of chances. I mean, but you just sort of felt for some reason that he was going to miss that penalty. I've got to say, it was very nice seeing all the players, you know, sort of go up to him and console him after after missing it. It seemed like a really nice part of the team thing already. What are your thoughts? Um, well, yeah, the pessimist in me thought we were going to lose anyway. And then I was kind of sat there watching the penalties and every player that went up, I was like, why is he taking it? But then I suppose every player had to take one anyway. So, yeah. you know, I was, yeah, I'm just pessimistic, really. That's just me. Um, but as Dom says, it's just, it, you know, it's typical. You just, you'd never expect Fulham to win a penalty shootout, really. It was always going to come down to us probably losing. Um, yeah. But yeah, Keener looked really good. I've watched the highlights again today. Um, and as everyone knows, I'm a massive fan of Keener. You know, I always <laughs> how good he is and everything. I'm a massive fan. But he looked really yeah. good, looked really creative on the ball, which is completely different to the player we saw at Blackpool. So that was nice. And Muniz was getting in some great positions as well for some chances, but that final product just wasn't there, which is, you know, it'll come with time. But, you know, we've just got to be patient. As we say, it's only the cup. All right, if we got through it, it'd have been great. But, you know, we're out. 
sod it, move on, focus on the league and uh, let's focus on pissing this league and getting up. I agree completely wholeheartedly there. I, I, I'll just go to you, Dom, actually. Quick. Do, you think Jay, do you think Stansfield should have had a go at this game, considering how well he played in the last match um, in the Carabao? I mean, I know Muniz is new and he's got to get some minutes, but I felt Stansfield could have maybe... Uh, I don't know if he's feeling maybe a bit hard done, hard done by with that. Yeah, I think so. It was, a, it was a cracking goal as well. He scored against Birmingham, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Yeah, it, it's that thing, isn't it, where if he's not getting minutes in the League Cup, then he's not really going to get minutes at all, is he? Um, so maybe maybe it'll be, it would have been best for him to go out on loan this season. He's ready for first-team football, I think. Um, he's unlikely to get that, that many chances. But um, but then, you know, we, we brought in Muniz, who clearly is has been brought in for to push Mitro over the next the next few seasons so I think more importantly we need to get him match fit um yeah as we said so said in the last pod I thought he played well against Reading um took his goal well and he, he looked up for it um it was it didn't fall for him against uh against Leeds but you know it wasn't for a lack of effort um and I, I think he could be I think he could be good for us um but I, I think I think it's probably the right call to start him. Um, maybe would have given Stanfield some time off the bench, perhaps. Um, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah, and and in relation to our academy in Stansfield, I just seen today Jean Pierre uh, Thierry or Thierry. I probably butchered that, but he's just been given a two-year extension on his contract, and and he's a very promising young striker in our academy. So that's very good news for us as well. So that's fantastic. And uh, I remember at one point Hector came on as a, a number six, a CDM sort of role, which uh, I think, funnily enough, Frenchy had been opting for for quite a while because he saw him play there at Reading once years and years ago. I mean, he looked quite... Did he look all right there, would you say, as Hector as number six? Or you, I mean, he had a couple of moments of really crap distribution and passing in the centre-back role. But then as, as a CDM, he seemed to be quite assured. Is that something that you'd opt for every now and then as a sort of an emergency wigger? Um, oh, I suppose he can play there. It's good to have that versatility in a player. I did think it was an odd substitution, though, because obviously you're taking off Harrison Reed. For injury, you know, bless him, he's probably made of glass. Poor old yeah. uh, Harrison Reed, and then you're bringing on a centre half. Would you? If, I mean, personally, if it was me, I'd be bringing on like Stan, like Dom said about Stansfield. We're not bringing on to play, get some minutes and potentially take a penalty at the end. I'd rather have a striker on a penalty than a centre half who's sort of filled in at centre mid. You know, go for it. All right, we don't really care. As I said, you know, move on. But it would have been it would have been nice to win. Um, but yeah, Hector. Decent player. I've always rated him as a centre half. Um, he had a skew if shot, didn't he? Really, he went miles wide. He had an opportunity to shoot again, and he just sort of fluffed his touch and ended up putting it out to the right back. So, yeah, I don't know. Probably wouldn't keep him there too much in the season. Uh, I think he's better off in the back line. Yeah, fair enough. And I, I think that the point is of this is is that Hector and Mawson actually held on their own very well in this game against the technically Premier League side, and that was a strong side by Mark, by Bielsa for this game. Um, so I think the main thing to take from this is Mawson had a very very good game, especially alongside Hector. But Mawson looks like someone that can definitely do a job for us in the Championship and hopefully gets a league start soon. Uh, Joe Bryan, I thought played very well against a strong lead side. Um, his penalty was hilarious, wasn't it, Dom? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I've never seen. Looking at his face, you're like, well, we might as well not even bother taking this because he's scored. I've never seen yeah. a player step up quite that confidently and then 
blast it over the bar. I mean, it was a terrible, terrible penalty. And I think bettered or worse only by the, the, the one immediately after it, where it went even far, their play put it even more over the bar. Um, yeah. yeah, funny one, because if you think about the players who or Fulham who would take the penalties in the in the first five, you'd have Joe Bryan in there without doubt, given his you know, given his left foot and his ability from from set pieces. But yeah, blasted it over. Um, yeah, funny one. I mean, I like I like Joe Bryan. I think I think I think he's had he's had a difficult time the last couple of years because obviously Robinson's been here, who by all accounts should be a player, but. You, you consider both of them together, and it's where, where Joe Bryan's good is exactly where Robinson's bad. So you know, Joe Bryan is doesn't have the pace to get back defensively, and he, he's often caught out in possession. But yeah, he's got a good ability with his left, good delivery, and he can he, he chips in with a lot of assists, uh, even a few goals. And Robinson, on the other hand, is has got pace to burn, but just doesn't quite have that that ability in the final third. So if you could put them together, we'd probably have the best left back in the league. But as it happens, we've got to pick between one of them. And it's probably going to be a case of which one suits the occasion more. Uh, I think if we're up against stronger sides who are likely to attack us more, probably uh, Robertson's a better option. But if we're if we're trying to, you know, get extra an extra body there to, to put crosses in, it's probably for probably Joe Bryan. It's, it's a decent um, dilemma to have. It's just a shame that that the other one is the one who could actually cover that. Yeah. I thought Rodak did very well in this game as well. I mean, we can do the Gazaniga-Rodak argument till we're blue in the face. It feels like ongoing every week at the moment, but Rodak definitely is waiting in the wings for one big mistake from Gazaniga. I thought he was brilliant in this game. Anyway, lads, that is Carabao uh, symbolised in a bit of paper, and that is all in the bin. So, on to Saturday's match at Ashton Gate. With Bristol City then. Um, unbeaten in four at the moment. The last time this fixture was played was on the 7th of March 2020. And it was actually the last game before the football season was postponed. And we went into lockdown. Now, Tom Kearney scored a late equaliser that day. In a match we probably did enough to win. But I just want to ask, I'll go to you, Wigger, mate. How do you see this game going? I, I've, I have to say, I always love going to Ashton Gate. But I always dread the result there. As it seems, it's not just a Lee Johnson thing. I think it's just generally a Bristol City thing. They always seem to have a number there. And I, I rate Nigel Pearson as a manager. I just want your opening thoughts on that. I personally see Bristol City a bit as our bogey team. That might just be at home, mm-hmm. to be fair. We've been battered a few times at home by them. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Obviously, not one at home all season. Last team we played, haven't won. Blackpool beat us 1-0. So... I'm not, I don't know, as I say, I'm a bit of a pessimist. I'm not holding out much hope, really. Um, last couple of Saturdays have been quite disappointing. The performance, last away performance, well, on a Saturday at Blackpool was nowhere near the standard it should have been, and it could have yeah. been. And then, obviously, you go to Birmingham a few days later and you go and produce performance like that. So, I'm really not sure how, if we're going to turn up or not. I can't call it. They're under pressure to get their first home win. You know, fans have paid for their season tickets and they've not even seen three points yet. I'd be starting to get a bit pissed off if I was a season ticket holder there. Um, so they're going to be bang up for it. You know, be, try and beat one of the big boys in the league, get your first home win and get a bit of confidence going, especially after their win at QPR on the weekend. They're well up for it this week, I reckon. And that's the thing. I think loads of teams are up for playing us just because of, I mean, the, the sort of, 
classic story of how much money we've spent in inverted commas, but also just because we've just come down from the Premier League. So I feel like we, everyone always wants to sort of nick a result against us because we're the favourites. Don, uh, what are your thoughts on Bristol City as for this weekend, mate? Yeah, as, as Wiggy said, it's really hard to call. I mean, QPR was a proper smash and grab, wasn't it? Um, yeah. I, I think I think they would admit they were second best, but um, you know, with Nigel Pearson, that's quite often that's quite often the way it goes with his sides. They 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 work hard and take their chance, um, and that, that's exactly the sort of team that's that's undone us twice this season. So um, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of concern in there, but the thing the thing that's, that's that's given me the confidence is that they're the home team. They they you know they could go what a point behind us if they beat us um there's going to be some expectation i don't think it's going to be the same as reading and against blackpool where they they knew what they had to do and they knew they were going to be second best and they knew they could just nick a nick a goal i think there's going to be a bit more expectation on on them to get something out of this um and that might give us hopefully a bit more a bit more space to work in um that that's what i'm hoping for but but who knows i mean it could go either way um you look at the two teams on paper. We should we should do it, but um, as as we saw in the last two games, it's, it doesn't always work like that. Well, the problem is, lads, as well, is that they yet to win at home this season. Um, you know, we talked about Blackpool, Preston, Luton, and losing the Swazi, but they haven't won at home this flipping season. Which uh, it's, it sounds very Fulhamish that we would gift it to them like we usually do. I mean, their away form has been. More impressive. I mean, Nigel Pierce's men have won their last three games on the road at Reading, Cardiff and QPR. Uh, as we've said, they have, you know, former Fulham Loneys. They've got Thomas Callas and Chris Martin in their side. Obviously, we're bringing Alfie Mawson to them. Uh, I mean, I expect this will get very different reaction from the Fulham fans travelling down. I mean, what have you made of Bristol City so far this season, Wigo, in terms of the way they play? I mean, it seems, as Don was alluding there, very Nigel Pearson-y counter-attacking. Um, well, yeah, as Dom has said, <clears throat> it's very sort of smash and grab counter attack. You know, we know Pearson likes that with his seasons with Leicester and obviously building them up to end up being title winners, obviously under Ranieri, you know, another great former yeah. Fulham manager. Um, but yeah, <laughs> Pearson, that was an interesting appointment when Pearson came in because I thought we'd do a really good job. And they always looked a bit dodgy last year, I thought. Anyway, I haven't really paid too much attention to them. Um, but it, they're, it, Pearson's an interesting guy because we know what he likes. He likes a quick striker. Naki Wells has got a bit of pace about him as well. So he's always going to prove a challenge. And last time we played him uh, there before lockdown, he was a bit of a challenge. And I think he scored as well for them. Yeah. So one for our defenders to look out for. It's going to be a tough test for Tosin and Marine. Um, because they're not the quickest, let's be fair here. So they're going to want to get in behind Bristol City, I think. Uh, but down the wings, they'll struggle, because obviously we've got the likes of Robinson, who is very quick. So I think it will be straight down the middle, over the top or through the gap, and see if they can beat him for pace, I reckon, anyway. Yeah, it looks like they sort of play a... Well, Nigel Pearson likes to play with a 4-2-3-1, but recently, in the last game anyway, it was a 4 uh, sorry, a 3-4-1-2 with Chris Martin and Andreas Weiman leading the attack up top. Um, Andreas Weiman, I mean, he he was kind of like a meh player for Derby, I do believe, and he's 30 years old now, but he's um, he's he's their best player at the moment. He's got four goals, and uh, I think he's looking quite good. He's probably their most dangerous player at the moment, stats-wise. Uh, four goals and two assists, and he was very, you know, very good against QPR. Um, and I just feel like it just feels very 
slippery banana again this game. But I think that's just because, as we've said, Bristol City always feels a bit like that. But it's also the ref. I mean, you remember the ref of the last game, that Cabano penalty that he didn't give us? That's just probably one of the worst decisions I've ever seen in my entire life. So I'm worried that we're going to get something like that again. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, uh, I mean, we still await news of whether Fabio Carvalho is fit to play. But I mean, regardless of that, I mean, how do you see us lining up, Dom? What would you like to see against this sort of slippery banana potentially? <laughs> it's going to be. I mean, we made. I'm right. Am I right in saying we made 11 years? Uh, every single position was changed. Um, I think it was 12 Leeds. last night. Yeah, 12. 12 changes. I changed the ref. It was as 12 well. changes. Well, I don't know. I think. Is it 12 changes? I think it was 12 changes. Well, wait a minute. It that's what the guy in Talksport said. <laughs> I swear the guy in Talksport said 12 changes. And I was just like, oh, okay. I didn't even think about that. Okay. Yeah, I that can't be. It's keep not, it's not Sorry, true. don't worry. Yeah. Unless, this is my Frenchie. This is my Frenchie. I was the pod now, you know. Anyway, Someone on. started and then got replaced late on, and then then okay, that counts as twelve maybe. But yeah, I mean, yeah, we made eleven changes. Um, let's go with that. Okay. I, I think. <laughs> I think. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I still I can't continue. believe you just said twelve changes. Don't I thought it was twelve changes. I literally remember hearing it on the thing. I saw oh, twelve changes. Nice. Anyway, we've not changed, we've not changed the manager yet. Eleven and. <laughs> Just keep, just keep going. Okay. <laughs> so uh, the usual suspects will probably come back in, right? Um, I reckon, I reckon Tim Ream didn't play, so he could play, um, play this game. I, I would imagine the mid, the midfield might might change. Reed probably will be injured again. Um, mm. Mitrovic will start up front. Uh, the, I just hope, hope and hope and hope it's. Cabano or anyone else apart from Cavalera on the left, because except maybe Knockout. <laughs> well, yeah, Knockout was he, Knockout was crap last night against Leeds, wasn't he? So I don't think he's he, ever he coming showed, back to the lineup. He showed exactly why we're supposedly trying to pay him off to leave. Um, mm. Yeah, terrible, terrible signing. Um, if you can't, if you can't do anything in. In a in a cup game where it doesn't really matter, then there's no hope for him, is there? Um, but Cabano started, which makes me think Cavalera is going to come back in and, and play. Obviously, there's the Portuguese connection. All of our managers seem to see something in training that we don't see on the pitch for Cavalero. But um, <laughs> maybe must maybe make, he'll maybe he'll um, must, you know, make us eat our words. But I doubt must it. Bake the, he um, must bake like the best muffins for the squad every time he shows up for training in the morning. Yeah, he's got he's got a, he's got a private detective with a really long lens, and he's got he's got loads <laughs> of seats on all of our managers. I don't I don't know what it is, but um, I would I would expect pretty much the same as Reading, except maybe um, maybe Chalabo will miss out, and maybe Onoma will start because I thought he played really well again. He's had a really good season. Um, yeah. But it seemed to me like the reason we changed eleven players is because we're gonna we're gonna change eleven players again for the next game. Um, yeah. So I don't think there'll be too many surprises. Yeah, and, and on to you, Wigan, mate. Anything you would like to see in this game from us, uh, lineup wise? Anything that differs to Matt Dom? I know, I know you've got Thomas Callas and Robert Atkinson, for instance, have been a very good central partnership, and I, I think we're going to need something to break through them quite effectively. I mean, they they 
weren't able to protect a lead. I mean, they considered an equaliser to Luton recently, but they, they are quite strong in that regard. So we might need some speed, as you were saying earlier. I don't know if actually maybe you might want to start Muniz with Mitro in this game. I'd just like your thoughts. Well, first of all, I'd just like to echo Dom in saying that Cavalera should be dropped. Uh, yep. Dropped and left back in London. Um, <laughs> with, with uh, Yeah, their defenders, they, they're quite good. We know how good Callas can be as well, you know. So having, what, two seasons? And mm. he was quality for us. And, you know, he was a sort of player I thought we should have signed him going up to the Premier League. We should have done everything we could to sign him. So I don't know why we didn't. And he goes to Bristol City. He's loved by the fans. He's captain, you know. And as you say, he's uh, forming a strong partnership with Atkinson. But Mitrovic, you know, we know what he's about. Big, strong player. Muniz has got a bit of pace as well, which they would complement each other well. However, Muniz is kind of being eased in, as we I think we've spoken about. He's kind of, if we're losing, we'll whack him on and sort of go for the jugular and see if we can get, you know, a, an equaliser or whatever. Um, so I personally still stick with probably just Mitrovic up front to start with. And it'd be great if Fabio Carvalho was back. And I can't believe that an 18-year-old being out is sort of half affecting our performances. All right, we won at Birmingham. But yeah. we, we're really missing something with Carvalho not in the squad, which is insane. You, you cannot believe we're that reliant on an 18-year-old to sort of drive our performances and drive our, drive us to a win. And, you know, Harry Wilson as well on the right has been fantastic. So the usual suspects have got to start. Onoma definitely in centre mid with Seri. feel sorry for Chalibur, but he wasn't good enough last week. So in my opinion, doesn't really deserve a place in the team. But get as much pace as we can up there, I reckon. Yeah, I agree. I'd like to see Cabano maybe get a start in there somewhere as well. I didn't like him as right back in the last game. That was really weird. In the last league game, I mean. Um, Fabio Carbelli, I mean, the, the, the rumours that I've heard are is that he's in the process of changing agents at the moment, and that's why he hasn't signed the new contract just yet. But I've got, I, the, 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 the whisperings are that he sounds still quite confident he's going to sign a new deal with us. But, I mean, who knows? I mean, like you say, I find it mad that we're relying on an 18-year-old to literally get to 100% as well for our performances. But he's just clearly a real special case. I mean, hopefully yeah. he is fit to play in this it's game. A, what are your thoughts there, Dom? It's a bit, it's a bit worrying that we're relying on him. Uh, I, would, I wouldn't say we're entirely relying on him because uh, he said we, the Birmingham performance was good. And I think the Reading performance was generally good. Um, mm. And I just, it was obviously just one of those days. But um, I, th- I think it's more to do with, it's such a key position in, in Silver's system. Uh, you know, that number 10 who just sort of roams uh, he can he can link up with the midfield and he can get in behind the striker as well to finish chances and the other options we've got there Bobby Reed um, he, he doesn't he doesn't do that as well which always surprises me because I think that should be his good position but he's always better when he's when he's playing wide who else we've got Keener he seems to play he, he seems to want to play much more much closer to the kind of halfway line and dictate things a bit deep which doesn't really work again in that in that system maybe he'll maybe he'll get used to it a bit more but it's it's that way he plays um obviously Kenny not even really any point mentioning him but but he even he would it's not the same he doesn't play the same way it's that kind of that that number 10 who is almost all out attack and is almost a striker but but can kind of link up play as well and we don't have anyone who who can replace that in that system it's not necessarily Fabio Cavallio thing, it's it's kind of a lack of having another player who can do that, I think. Yeah, because much as well, much as the individual player. 
Well, it's weird because Bobby Reed sort of, when he was for Bristol City, scored all those goals in that position. But it was almost like, I feel like there's a huge difference of, well, there is, but between a second striker and a playmaker. What Bobby Reed provides is fantastic, you know, linking up with the striker and catching anything that he misses and poaching goals. But there, there is a lack of creativity to Bobby Reed's game, I find, that Fabio Carvalho can provide and a natural playmaker number 10 would. So... Yeah, I felt like actually that's why Bobby struggled a bit in that game against Reading slightly. Um, I would and, be more interested. Sorry, mate. Go on, go on. I, I felt like watching us in the games where Fabio's been out as well. I think I think Mitrovic is apart from Birmingham aside, his performances have have sort of dropped. He's not playing the same way. He's playing more. He's a bit more isolated up front. Whereas when Carvalho was there, he was not afraid to drop deep because he knew Fabio would kind of fill in that gap that he was leaving behind. Whereas mm. whereas now he's 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 playing more on his own up front. He's more isolated. And that that's that again is a concern. It's that that connection yeah. between all of them and, and Fabio really fits in with that. Well I'd like to maybe see two attacking eights with a guy behind as the anchor as the six. That's what we saw against Birmingham. It was sort of Actually, it wasn't sort of, it was. It was Michael Seri, uh, Jean-Michael Seri as the number six. And you had Harrison Reed and Shalabur as the two number eights attacking. And that's like a quite a classic sort of uh, Marco Silva system. It was under Watford anyway. So, I mean, uh, I don't know. Shalabur had a very, very bad game. Very bad game, I think, personally against Reading. But maybe he should come back in the fold, especially if uh, Carvalho's still injured. I'm not too sure. Um, Jean-Michael Serri is the six you still keep there. It's it's like the last part. It's actually finding about the right balance in that three in the middle uh, uh-huh. in the middle of the park, isn't it? And that's that's the any thoughts on this, Wigger? Um funny enough it's kind of jogged my memory a little bit of Blackpool away. Onomo ended up so far up the pitch all the time. And I was wondering what was going on. Because I, I in my eyes we've played so well playing like a four two three one having sort of Seri and Onoma side by side and then Carvalho's that roaming number 10, linking up the two banks really well. Um, so for Onoma to be really far up was very strange and it didn't work at all. So I don't know, it's kind of hit and miss, I suppose. Onoma as a number 10, I think, wouldn't be the worst idea. He started really badly when he first joined the club and then eventually got better Maybe a bit deep. He dropped when he was dropped a bit deeper, but then I think after lockdown he was pushed forward again, and he proved to be crucial then because he was scoring goals, he was creating chances, he was getting in the positions. So I don't think he'd be the worst idea if we did want to have, you know, two sort of defensive midfielders and a number ten. I think Onoma would be able to link the banks really well if Fabio isn't uh, isn't back this weekend. So yeah, it's an option. It's an option. And and with that, I'll, I guess we can go straight on to the score predictions now. What do you think is going to happen there, Dom? Very difficult to call, but um, we don't win. That's just, that's three out of four we haven't won. It, I wouldn't say it's, there's pressure on us, obviously, because we're only two points off the top. But um, it would be good to you know maintain some kind of winning habit in the, in the squad. So um, let's go with let's go with an edgy two one. I think I think overall we should have too much for them, but there's there's just those kind of elements, isn't there? Like Callus, Chris effing Martin, that just <laughs> and we know that's the sort Christy. of shit that can come back and haunt us. Plus, you throw in their terrible home record, all that kind of stuff. You know, there's there's obviously no such thing as fate, but Blackpool hadn't scored at home, had they? And um, we saw what happened there. 
uh, and there's there's countless other occasions of things like that going against us. It, it's time to to just put to bed any all of that crap and just be the best team and win games. So um, I, I think yeah. we'll have enough to um. The fact that we haven't you know won there since February 2017. Um, the fact that they haven't won a home game yet, and it's Chris Martin and it's Callas. It does feel like it could be a, a Fulham nightmare, doesn't it? Like Ghost of Christmas Past sort of thing. But I, I think you're right. I think it feels like a two-one win to me, and I I hope we don't play with fire too much. But it would be quite nice. I'm not saying I want us to see us concede first, but it would be it would be a really nice strength of character and show that we're 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 changing breaking patterns a bit now if we actually did win from coming from behind but yeah I think it's going to be a 2-1 it doesn't matter the order in which we score I don't actually I'd rather just win the game so I don't actually care about I'm not only, not only going to be happy if we can see first but yeah I think I think a 2-1 myself as well what do you think Wigger? Well I would have said 2-1 but that's a bit boring now so I'm going to go 3-1 um, okay. there's no way we're going to keep clean sheet I don't think because some of our defending the last few games has been dreadful uh, and I do not Personally, do not trust a goalkeeper at all. I, I, I much prefer Rodak. I feel a lot safer if Rodak was in goal. I just can't see us keeping a clean sheet. But you know, when we want to attack, we are clinic. We can be clinical anyway. And away from home, we've looked quite clinical. Obviously, four at Birmingham. So <clears throat> yeah, three-one. Hopefully, Mitrovic will get back on the score sheet again. Um, but yeah, need a win. Keep up with. Uh, Keep up with those bloody whatever they're not. What is it? Bournemouth. Keep up with them and that boring, yeah. boring, boring manager who's at <laughs> the top at the moment. So fair play. Do you know what? Do you know what's really interesting? Yeah, fair play, fair play, absolutely to Scott Parker. But do you know what's really interesting? I find that uh, like all the stats after the Reading game favoured us. I mean, it just looked like just a bad day. It was just a bad day for us. The stats were good. Everything. It just felt like look, we're still a very good team. It was just a. Just a bad day at the office. But I think what really messed people up, and a lot of reason why a few people on Twitter were getting more annoyed about it than usual was because that Bournemouth was still on top and it just feels a bit like, yeah, there's just a bit of a, a grudgery there. And I, I don't blame them in some way. They'll slow play. Say him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They won't be there at the end of the season. Fingers crossed. Well, I mean, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, they've got the yeah, best striker I... in the championship, don't forget, in Solanke. So, I, mean, <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw a few... Uh, a few that proves Scott Parker's a better manager kind of thing. And it's like, it's lit, knee-jerk, knee-jerk reaction. Twitter is such a shit place to look after you've, you've lost a game. You get, um, you know, you get moany old, old bastards assuming just because they're looking for, you know, they go, oh, you've lost 2-1, we must have been shit. It's, it's no, it's, it's not, it wasn't the way it was. Um, I saw more than enough against Reading to, to know that if we played that game again and played that same way again, we'd win it, you know, nine times out of ten. It was just one of those. Um, just got, we've just got to stick to it. Um, we're 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 a better team than Bournemouth, and we've got a better manager. And I think by come the end of the season, I think we'll we'll prove that. Yeah, and as as Frenchie said in the last pod, I mean Norwich uh, had about ten or not, I can't remember a certain amount of uh, losses when and they won the championship. And I think Norwich was seventh this time. Uh, two seasons ago or like last season when and that was the season they won it so I'm not worried at all yet lads I'm not worried at all and last but not least um I think one thing we can say about the Leeds game was um our attendance was 
pretty shocking compared to Leeds because Leeds, you know, massive club. But I mean, as they always like to remind us, but but it was mainly because a lot of our fans just couldn't be bothered with the Carabao midweek, and I, I understand that completely. But going into the idea of, I mean, today for instance, it was announced that actually safe standing could be introduced to Championship and Premier League teams from New Year's Day, and um, I just looked at the poll that we put on Twitter just to see how many of our fans would actually use safe standing if it was introduced at the college. And at the moment, 71% say yes. And I, I just want your thoughts really quickly before we leave the show, if you would ever like to see safe standing yourselves at the college, lads. I mean, I personally think it's, it would be great. I mean, some of the best memories I've had at the college have been when standing, you know, the Derby playoff, playoffs, for instance. Uh, go up to you, Wigo, mate. Um, yeah, I do like standing. I tend to prefer it away games for some reason. Well, where I sit in the Johnny Haynes stand, we don't really stand anyway. So <clears throat> I don't get much don't get much time to stand at Fulham unless I go and watch a non-league game. Um, it's not the worst idea. Stand there, is there? <laughs> you can't even stand you can't even stand up, let alone no. stand for the game. There's just no legroom, is there, in those seats? No, not in the family zone as well. That's where I am. Um, but yeah, I would I would consider it it's not the worst idea in the world it's, it'd be interesting to see how it plays out you know because there wouldn't be like proper terraces would they you know always safe standing i'm sure they've got like seats on them as well haven't they they do yeah the new the new modern ones do i saw them at celtic or the, the yeah. ones they're going to install in celtic they've got that like, option for you to sit down if you get well, i don't know it. i don't know how it would work would it be would you still get allocated a spot i don't know but it's not the worst idea if they place it right if they put it in the right right place in the ground it could work perfectly if they get it wrong, oh, all hell will break loose on Fulham Twitterverse, I reckon. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can imagine, I can imagine them doing it for like whenever they decide to uh, refurb the Putney and Hammersmith ends. God knows when that's going to happen because they probably just still need to get the Riverside up at the moment. But I mean, it would be nice to see the sort of the singing bunch from the top road of it of of H of Hammersmith end come down a little bit and put them in the middle somewhere because sometimes they just. It can sound so quiet compared to what the others are blurting out. But I think that's an acoustic problem as well. Anyway, Don, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I'm all for, I'm, I'm for it. I don't um, I don't think personally I'd I'd get tickets there. Um, I think uh, I might, might be a little bit old um, compared to the people I'd expect would would kind of use that section. But um, it's good. I mean, the the thing is, is the, the, that kind of singing section in the Hammers would then stand up anyway, don't they? So I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure there'd be it would make a whole amount of difference. Um, and it's sort of a bit. I don't know. You either you either have the option for everyone to stand or or put seats in for everyone. It, I, I kind of feel like it's a bit. It's a bit. A bit halfway, and it doesn't really. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I think. I think it will be. I think it will be well. Risks will be used, but um, it sort of feels like a bit of a, a bit, just a kind of like a gesture. Like here you go, you can stand up, but but not really because <laughs> yeah. it's only a small section of you, and yeah, you probably would have stood anyway. So I, I don't know. I don't know. It's kind of yeah, fair enough. I think we'll probably go for it just to keep some people happy. But um, well, you, as we yeah. said, some people will complain about it. Um, people people will buy seats incredibly close to that and their view will be blocked and they'll complain won't they so um like like, like people who who buy the house right by a football ground and then complain it's noisy on saturday at 3 p.m so you can't you can't please everyone but um exactly. yeah I've got, I've got no issue with it put it that way 
Fair enough. I think um, I think it's a good idea. I think it might even lessen ticket prices slightly. I think it, they'll probably reduce it by ten percent or something. Probably something minuscule. I'm not too sure, but it might make things a little bit cheaper for those that want to go. Maybe want to stand. That should be the case anyway. If you stand, if you stand at the back of a theatre to watch a show, they, that's always like the cheapest seat. So they should they should definitely be cheaper but anyway it's, it's it's a good idea i hope i hope it happens just because it's i always feel a bit more as you were saying we got a bit more energized when i'm standing up watching a game anyway we'll, we'll call it a day yeah. also I, just, sorry, I, I, I kind of feel like that was those occasions that you mentioned i mean there was obviously there was the derby uh semi-final there was um the hamburg semi-final there was the the juventus game uh kind of a sprinkling of others down the years those I don't think those were great because because people were standing. It was the occasion that kind of made it so that everyone sort of had to stand. And I don't think you're going to bring back an atmosphere like that just by having a, a group of people who who are standing up. So I don't know. I, I, I think, but you know, pe- people will do it and good for them. But um, yeah, I'll I'll just carry on, carry on as I was. Just carry on, mate. You just carry on. All right, and we will be carrying on. Thank you very much. We'll be carrying on in about three or four days time god my maths is terrible but Frenchie will be doing a reaction show for the Bristol City game and I'm really glad Frenchie isn't here to predict the scores for the Bristol City game because it they would have just been a loss otherwise because <laughs> his his predictions have been absolutely terrible recently it's been four nils and five nils to us and they've just lost every game so uh, I mean if we win it's definitely it's definitely thanks to us I think so yeah thank you very much to my co-host thanks for listening if you like what you hear please tell your friends about us and subscribe on the podcast and follow us on Twitter thanks very much see you soon stay safe